For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, It's been a long time coming, but Wales are finally off to the World Cup Finals for the first time since 1958. Uh, Led by Wales Golf Madrid in that order, Gareth Bale, manager Rob Page, who is the spitting double of every manager Ajax have hired in the past half a decade, and uh, spurred on by a crop of up-and-coming youngsters such as Brendan Johnson, Sober Thomas and Ethan Ampadu. They are, unlike Turkey at last summer's Euros, genuine dark horses to make inroads at this winter's finals. Um, Continuing the road to Qatar series, which has already covered Mali with Ben Botchak and, and Ecuador with Tim Vickery, um, I'll be taking a deep dive into Wales's recent history, their route to this winter's tournament, whilst profiling the best under-23 players the country has to offer. And for that very reason, there could be nobody else with whom to discuss this very topic than scouted football's Lou Davies, uh, the man who voice notes bread of heaven to the group chat, spends days M- MIA in Cardiff City Centre when Wales win, and an all-round great bloke. Um Lou, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, good to be back. This is the, uh, I think, third pod in as many months for me, which is uh, pretty good going on the on the big pod on your big pod. So that's interesting. And uh, yeah, my voice has recovered since the last one and since the last uh, Wales game. So keen to talk about Cymru. Yeah, back to back appearances. Um, starting to really string them together. When you're getting in a run of scoring goals, he scores a lot of goals. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, before we get started, I would like to say I do have the overwhelming urge to to dangle Set Blatter by his ankles and see what falls out of his pockets for the crime of robbing us of a summer World Cup. Um, I, I suppose, like as as a fan, um, who in in any other year, you know, you would have been going out there following the team. I'm thinking, you know, sort of like a Germany 2006-esque sort of vibes. You know, does the fact it's being hosted in Qatar take some of the shine off qualification at all? It does and it doesn't. I think from a from a personal point of view, as you say, if it was in somewhere more accessible, uh, then obviously I probably would have gone. But like, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, it's just typical that the first time that we qualify in what a generation almost, it's in bloody Qatar. So just how it fought that's just how it's fallen for us so uh we'll have to live with it but i'll be happy happy to watch it on the tv regardless yeah i suppose the the group um that that wales have obviously been drawn into sort of makes up for it a little bit you know with with england the usa and, and iran um i mean it's first off a geopolitical nightmare uh that group <laughs> but also um it it does it does essentially give wales a a, a realistic chance of of you know making it to the, to the knockouts um because you know, you look at the way that Wales have, have gone through this qualification period and even the recent Nations League games. I mean, I know that there was two defeats to the Netherlands, but they were, you know, in, in the final, literally final minutes of the game. Um, you'd have to say that, that they do have a very good chance of um, of getting past certainly Iran and and, and, and and the US in particular. 100%. I think the, the group is pretty tough. I, I think it's probably tougher than people realise. But at the same time, I think Wales have developed to a point now where we can compete against these sort of nations where we're not quite as uh, maybe timid or conservative as we once were. I think the recent Nations League, even though that um, we uh, we bottled it against the Netherlands in the pretty much the same way twice in a row, <laughs> uh, much, to my, much to my despair, is uh, 
maybe that's something we can work on. I think Gareth Bale pointing that out as something as uh, maybe that streetwise mentality that needs to be added. But we competed against uh, Belgium and, and the Netherlands, which is uh, two strong footballing countries, much stronger than us. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're now we're at a level where we can compete against these these sort of nations. We aren't the uh, quite the underdogs that we once were. Yeah, I suppose um, if I was any better at sort of editing podcasts, this is sort of where I'd put in sort of like a rewinding tape um, sort of mm-hmm. sound as we sort of, you know, dial back to sort of starting right at the beginning, the, you know, the, the latter stage of the, the, the Toshak era. Um, and, you know, Wales as a footballing entity, as, a, as, a, as an international side, Wales were not uh, a side who you'd be expecting to qualify for, you know, back to back to back tournaments. Um I mean, I mean, there's obviously missed out on the 2018 World Cup, but you know, Euro 2016, uh, Euro 2020, um, and now the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. You know, that's it's a good it's a good return for a country of around what three three million people. You know, you you don't see that with with countries of similar population. You know, the only other one that's kind of coming to mind is um, you know Uruguay, but obviously Copa America, because Copa America is just a bit different in terms of the format and the framework. I, I really don't know a great deal about you know Welsh international football sort of pre um, the the Gary Speed and the and, and the Chris Coleman um, period. Um, so I mean, what was it like as a as a supporter, as, as somebody who obviously went to games and, and stuff when when Wales well when Welsh football was essentially I don't want to say in the doldrums, but um, you know it it wasn't a it wasn't a realistic possibility that you'd be packing out stadiums and and thinking you know we can go toe to toe with Be- uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. Yeah, so I I think there's just been a massive culture shift. I think if on the balance of play, I think I think you most would say that Wales is a rugby nation. It's long been that I think uh, since since the since the seventies probably. I think you'd you'd associate Wales more with with uh, rugby than football. I think if you asked anyone in England what the uh, what the national sport of of Wales is, most would probably say rugby. That's what we're known for. But I think in the last in the last decade, definitely. That's shifted. I think now it's uh, it's gone to a point where football is the dominant sport, where football is the sport that probably represents us best. Uh, obviously, it's a much more it's a much more global sport in that in that aspect. So it has a bit more has a bit more to it. I think, and just qualifying this for this World Cup is another step on on asserting football's dominance within Wales. But yeah, coming back to. Uh, the latter Toshak years, I think we started to see Bale and Ramsey coming through. So that was a uh, that was some uh, green shoots uh, poking through. Uh, but yeah, I think after those Toshak years where it was a bit rudderless, maybe I think once Speed was appointed, there was a there was a there was an approach that was implemented that that the country could get behind. That you could start to see what we were building towards. There was a style of play implemented. There was a young group of of players pushed through. I think Ramsey was immediately made captain at twenty years old, which is a which is a pretty big statement. Bale was a, starting to become starting to become a key player. We had uh, a couple of young players at the back. We had Neil Taylor coming through, Chris Gunter. So you could start to see those those uh, foundations being laid, and they, and they really have they really are the foundations upon which now that we can say that we're going to a World Cup, that we can say that we've been to two European championships so yeah I suppose in in many ways you know you look at this the, the like the green shoots that you just described there your your bales and your Ramses and your your, your tailors and the like and you've got you obviously you had the building blocks but then you know two or three players doesn't make a doesn't make a team um 
And, you know, previously, the, you know, you had the likes of Ryan Giggs, Gary Speed playing for the national team, you know, players who were, you know, leading internationals, but also in, at club level, you know, leading, um, you know, leading their clubs for whoever they played for. But it wasn't working on the international stage. I suppose the the difference is the shift you know how much do you put that down to sort of the structure um the the maybe sort of like a, a coaching a focus on coaching or or is it sort of you know the influence of a player like Gareth Bale or Aaron Ramsey or somebody like that that you know sets the standard essentially um that that the players coming into the team now have to to look at and and, and match yeah so I, I you obviously can't escape the influence that that Bale and Ramsey have had I think Bale in particular is a general generational player we probably won't see anyone like him again. Giggs was a similar sort of stature, but I think Bale just blows him out of the water in terms of ability and probably not quite on the career uh, front because what Giggs did at United was uh, pretty substantial. But yeah, I, I think you can't escape what they've done for the country. But also this is a much more holistic approach. I think I mentioned Gary Speed as the as the anchor point almost to all of this. But I think you can you can go back two or three years earlier when Oshan Roberts was uh, made technical director. Uh, basically, had a he went to college in America to play football, came back and played some uh, local level uh, football in Wales in North Wales. He went on to become a, a manager at Porth Madog, uh, a, a fairly small team up in the in the north of Wales, and he was involved with Wales as a uh, as a youth team coach, but. He, once he was appointed as technical technical director, uh, again there was a vision uh, implemented, and it really did help us grow into what we are now. So with uh, Oshan, he's now you might know him as the uh, as the number two man to Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. Uh, he's off from the sidelines there, his uh, number two man. But yeah, uh, he's really driven the country and the footballing structure into something which is a world leader in terms of coaching development, in terms of integrating players. We have a, a very strong uh, youth setup uh, relative to our size as a nation. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Roberts is, is, is an influential figure, I think. I think it's fair to say and he deserves his flowers there uh, and obviously would not be working at a Premier League club in such a you know a, an important role or an integral role. Um if if it wasn't for, for you know the background that you just outlined there, um, but, but I, I do want to take it to to you know the obvious point and and it was the the one that Rob Page, uh, obviously Wales manager, he um he, he mentioned once uh, the qualification had been secured for the World Cup and that was that that Gary Speed started it all. You know you heard Chris Coleman saying it at the Euros in two thousand sixteen. You've heard Rob Page saying it now, um, and I think that's something which is echoed throughout the entire Wales fan base that you know it was that that shift in mentality. From sort of a, a deeper perspective, you know, what what was that shift? What what changed with with Gary Speed? Was it something to do with young players? Was it to do with mentality? Was it what was the difference? Just coming back to what I said, it's it's like implementing a, a style of play, an approach that wasn't so uh, conservative, that wasn't so uh, turgid. Almost, I think with the young players coming through, we could start to play in a way that was a bit more befitting of their quality. I think Ramsey was a really good player before his leg break at Stoke. Uh people obviously associate him with like like these sort of couple of mediocre years after the leg break and then he broke out in twenty thirteen, fourteen. But before that as well, he was a really, really good player, a really good young player coming through. Someone that could do a bit of everything. Uh Bale was just breaking into the Spurs team in in, in his in in a big way. So 
yeah, that they were the driving forces, and you could see that the team started to rally around uh, a different approach with speed. And I think again, just the fans could come. There was something for the fans to cling on to then, with the young players, with the new style of play, with the uh, just with a much more positive approach, which again was more befitting of a nation that needed something like that in 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 football. Yeah, I think it's it's true. Um, you know, saying the a, a holistic approach is probably the, the best way of summing it up, really, isn't it? Um, that yeah, there was that that shift. Um, I think in, in terms of you know going towards you know to, through to 2016, um, you know that that was obviously the first major tournament that Wales had qualified for you know, God knows how long, um, and obviously within a whisker of, of of drawing with England in that group stage, um, you know maybe some maybe some revenge uh, this the later this year. Um, that's in the in the pipeline, hopefully. Um, and I mean, what what did you make in terms of the the, the performance at two thousand sixteen? Because you know you had a country like Northern Ireland, for example, that was also there. Um, and yeah, rightly so. In France, you know, fantastic scenes, loads of fans, um, a great supporters tournament. I think it's fair to say. Um, but I, th- I think it's always the danger that you get to one of these tournaments. But you get there when I don't know. Perhaps your golden generation is at its peak, and then what what follows afterwards? The the young crop, which follows afterwards, doesn't really live up to it. And I think maybe you're seeing that with Northern Ireland at the moment. You know they haven't qualified for a for a major tournament since. Um, and at, at present, you know, drawing with the likes of Cyprus uh, in the most recent round of of Nations League games doesn't look as though that they're gonna you know they're gonna be threatening um, anytime soon. But Wales, on the other hand, have have, have built on the the. You know the the qualification for 2016 um, by going to 2020 and and then um, the World Cup now as well. So, w- what was, what is the difference if if we're if we're going to be really rudimentary and compare the compare and contrast over the past six seven years between the two the two nations? What what is it that Wales have done differently? I can't speak for what the Northern Ireland have done. To be fair, I I don't know anything uh, anywhere near as much as I as I probably should to speak about it in any sort of depth but I think just Wales have have nailed uh in terms of youth development in terms of integrating young players that's been key to our success um I think just to come back onto this more holistic approach I think if if you look at the way Wales integrate players this is all this is always something I I mention to people uh about Wales like if, if you if you watch the uh, the national anthems before the before the games, every single Welsh player will will sing the national anthem, and obviously it's in Welsh. My and most of these, uh, not most of them, but uh, quite a few of these players are English, more or less. They they're born in England, they're bred in England, they come through English clubs, they come through English academies. Uh, you, I I always pick out someone like Chris Meppham as an as an example. He's he's probably the most London boy, uh, the most London Surrey boy that you'll know. He came through at Chelsea played for Brentford now he's at Bournemouth um but he he belts out the national anthem and just stuff like that is is really the the bread and butter of what of what Wales have done in terms of creating this culture which which is uh which has really kicked on to new levels now and I think it's really driven Wales especially from Euro 2016 onwards I think that was probably the tipping point it's really driven the country to become a much more of a uh, of a football nation and then I, I think if you compare and contrast and contrast the uh, the the directions with which football has gone in 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 Wales and the direction in which rugby union has gone in Wales, I think they're on 
they're on completely different paths now and it's all about that culture it's all about that that sense of belonging there's a, there's a word in welsh called cymreikdod and it, it probably the most literal translation is welshness but i think that really does sum up what is going on in welsh football and what is really driving what is really underpinning our our development as a nation it's it's unifying it's uh, you you're making me want to don my colors and go into battle for a country that's that's not even mine <laughs> um just listen to you. it's like if someone starts playing zombie nation i think i might just might just go and do it um but like i know i know what you mean in terms of it does it's such a it's such a small aspect but i mean something like the national anthem you know seeing the young players come through and 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 learn it you know that conversation has been had behind the scenes it's like we all sing like yeah. that that's something which is which clearly has has gone on or if not that i don't know i don't know what's better if that conversation has been had or if it hasn't because if it hasn't been you know if, if they haven't discussed that but they've looked around and thought well everybody else is singing it so i i can't be seen to to not be despite my background like chris meppen for example um you know and and essentially looking at you know this is the standard off the pitch um or you know this is the standard of everything that i do as a welsh international um yeah. you know football aside um and yeah as i said it's, it's it's unifying um and i think just going back to your point about what what's been done differently with with wales and um, your 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 point on the young players, Ethan Ampadu has thirty six caps at twenty one. Like, if there's ever an if there's ever an example of a country saying, you know what, go and play your football. You know, I think what was it last season or the season before? Where, I mean, I'm, I'm I may be way off, but I feel as though he played a lot more for Wales than he did at um at, at like club level. Chelsea, yeah, because yeah. he was stuck in the under twenty threes. He was stuck on the fringes of the of the first team there. I think it was maybe was it no, it wasn't Conte. It wasn't far as back as that. But yeah, I think that sort of again it, it comes into this ties into this team aspect, uh, this team aspect approach that Wales have. It, it's very much like a club side compared to other countries. I think maybe you can see it with some other countries, where it's uh, not not fractured. But it's not quite as cohesive as it probably could be, and that's something that Wales have nailed in since Euro twenty sixteen. I think if you go back and ask or read the interviews from Euro twenty sixteen, and the the overriding takeaway from it is that these guys love playing with each other. They love playing uh, with the coaching staff. They love playing with the executives. There's like this. Uh, there's a real cohesion, a real team ethic to it, which is which does underpin again everything that Wales have done in the last not not quite decade, but definitely half a decade, six eight years. Just looking at sort of the the other players within um, within the Wales squad who are you know of a similar age and also have quite a few um, quite a few caps. You know, you've got Matt Smith, still 22, he's got 18 caps. Uh, Brennan Johnson, 21, he's got 13. So again, double figures. Dylan Levitt, 21, he's got 12 caps. Um, you know, Robbie Matondo, he's got 11 caps. He's still only 21. You know, the, the it's clear the opportunities are there um, for for these players, and you know even. You know the likes of Reese Norrington Davis. You know, eleven caps, twenty-three years old. Nico Williams, twenty-one, um, with twenty-one caps, quite nicely. Um, you know, it's there are there are definitely opportunities here, and and I think that's kind of one of the things that we're always going to champion on this podcast is that you know while yes, experience is is very valuable, but you know the, having maybe the fearlessness and and the the drive to think you know what we can make history here, and essentially that's what Wales have done. 
yeah, so I, I think if we come back to that team aspect again, uh, these guys are trusted to do what they what they can when they come and join up with the, with the with the country. So even if they aren't playing at club level, I think you see Joe Roden, he isn't uh, playing as much as he probably should be in the Premier League. Hopefully, he might get a move this summer now. Maybe if it's if it's on loan to somewhere. But um, yeah, he's he's a key he's a key pillar at the back. Uh, Ampadu has played a lot now at Venezia this season, but again, you mentioned uh, he wasn't as involved at Chelsea, but he was still uh, rated highly, trusted heavily by the Welsh setup. Um, Harry Wilson, another one he broke through. To be fair, he's played quite a lot of football across across the years alone, but he was uh, he's Wales's youngest ever player, which uh, sort of sums up they. Wales will give these opportunities to young players fairly early on. Uh, Necker Williams, again, when he was a backup to Trent, was basically playing uh, cup football. Again, another guy that's, especially in the past year, that's cemented a role at, at left wing back for Wales and has, has really made it his own. He's probably one of the key performers now for this for this group. So, yeah, there there is this overriding sense of these players play for Wales and and we trust them. We know what they're good at. We know what we, what they can improve on, and we're going to try and improve them when we can, when we have them for the two week period every other month. So yeah, there is that team aspect to it, which is which is again key. In terms of the the, the players of this uh, qualification period and and leading up to the World Cup, you know who's been who's been the the squad leader, who's been the 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 bright spark, who's been the the sort of unexpected package. Um, Gareth Bale is the obvious one. I think he he's the uh, he's the de facto leader of 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 the country. I think everyone everybody rallies around him from coaching staff to to the players. I think everybody looks up to him. He he is the real talisman. But I th- again I I think it's. It's very disingenuous to say that Wales are are, are a one man team. They're not a one man team. We have a we have a really strong team of of, of a, a strong supporting cast which supports Bale, which uh, supports the likes of Ramsey. I think a lot of what we do is predicated on a on a solid defence. I think we've settled into a into a five at the back system now, or three at the back, whatever you want to call it. Which which is uh, based on Ben Davis, uh, Joe Rodden, and and, and Ampadu nominally. Uh, ben Davis has been huge. I think he was huge in that in that Ukraine game. Made a couple of key blocks. I think since Conte's come in at Spurs, he's he's elevated his game again. Uh, I think Rodden has been Rodden's been key as well at the centre of the, of that of that three man defence. Ampadu has found a role. Then you look at the wing backs. Uh, Connor Roberts and Neko Williams. Uh, Neko again, as I just mentioned, he's found a role at left wing back, which isn't his natural side, but he's really made it his own. I think he's been probably been one of my favourite, if not the favourite player to watch over the past year since he's come into that role. He's such a good, uh, uh, such a good one v one dribbler. He can square anyone up and just beat them off the first step and. It's be. Uh, I think there was a couple of occasions in the in the previous Belgium game when in the qualifying stage where uh, he cut in on off off his left off off the left hand side, cut on his right, just whistled it past the post. Uh, he plays with like this sort of exuberance and and uh, work ethic and drive, which is again which sums up the team as a whole. 
So yeah, I, I I've loved I've loved watching Neko for the past for the past year or so. Connor Roberts is Connor Roberts. He's wears his heart wears his heart on his sleeve. He he uh, competes. He battles. Uh, he's got that ability to get in the box as well, which is uh, which is pretty fun to watch. And then in midfield, we have got Joe Allen, again a guy that maybe has dropped off the level uh, as a as a promotion chasing championship player perhaps you could say at club level but again once he comes back to play for Wales he's 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 playing like he's 27 in that in that Swansea team for Brendan Rodgers again uh he's been key in terms of just being that that linchpin in midfield that pivot player who can uh pick up and move the ball uh pretty quickly pretty safely and then we come on to another guy that I want to mention as well is jo, uh, little Joe Morrell. Uh, again, another player that hasn't really played much at club level. He's playing for Portsmouth now. He was at uh, he was at Luton Town. Uh, again, can't really get a game. But once he comes to play for Wales, you see him competing against a team like uh, the Netherlands, who have the likes of uh, Toynkoop Miners, Jerdy uh, Schouten, uh, Ma- uh, Martin De Roon all Serie A regulars and little Joe Morrell is a is a is a league one bench player and he's and he's competing with them. So again that sums up the uh just that team aspect to it. And then you come to attack. Harry Wilson's been huge, I think, over the past year. He hasn't been the the uh, the regular starter that maybe his talent serves, but when he comes in he does a role. Um Dan James as well, you know, you know plenty about Daniel James. Obviously, gone to Leeds, probably hasn't done quite what maybe Bielsa wanted him to do. Uh, but again, you watch him playing for Wales, and even though he has like these really frustrating moments, <laughs> like really, really frustrating moments, especially when he tries and like cross it on his left foot, and he just loop, he's just looping it to the back post. That's that's a favourite of his. But he he gets teams on the back foot as well teams are scared of of his uh of his speed and he's a driving force and then i think we should probably mention brennan johnson then yeah uh a favorite of mine for for some time now since his uh breakout at lincoln city on loan he's had a massive season and in the past couple of weeks now he's uh really cemented his promise for wales and he probably might be the leader of this uh emerging generation yeah, it's it's. I think it's a big statement, but I think it's backed up by the fact that you know he's he's had that good season with Lincoln, um, and then essentially has helped, has has been sort of like a catalyst under Steve Cooper at Forest and helped drive that team quite figuratively and literally um, towards towards the Premier League. Um, you know, a lot of big performances. And I remember at the start of last season, you know, you you know messaging the the rest of us saying like just watch what he does off that right mm-hmm. flank, like just he does it constantly. Um, I think it might have been a Huddersfield game. Uh, early on in the season, when um, yeah. when Forrest was still struggling, and he just he, he, like did the same runs several times in the in that in that one game, and you thought oh, there's actually a little bit something different here. Maybe he's not maybe he's not going to be hanging around the championship for very long. And obviously, it's it's quite clear now he, he won't be. He'll be playing Premier League football with Forrest next year, which in itself is a really nice story aside from the Wales angle, but also um, the, the the Welsh angle is, is really nice as well because you know as you say it's. Um, and it's similar to, to the way in which you were describing, you know, Chris Meppham. You know, some of these boys are, are ostensibly English. You know, they're born in England. Brennan Johnson, born and raised in Nottingham. Um, his dad obviously used to play for, for Forest. Um, but 
is uh you know is a player who for I mean played up to about England 17s 18s was was an England youth international but then has chosen to represent Wales instead and I mean the the rest will will ultimately be history because as you say at 21 he's already a, a major player um in this in this team um and I'm really really looking forward to seeing him sort of on the world stage at the World Cup but also uh, in the Premier League as well just to see how much he has progressed and developed and to see what his ceiling is because to to this point apart from what the the FA Cup games for Forest this season there's not really been that many opportunities to see him against elite level defenders so it should be interesting to see how his style marries up I mean I don't know whether you you're, you're good at you're good at predicting the future Lou I mean I don't know if, <laughs> if you've sure got <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, if you've got any sort of pearls of wisdom about how he might fare against you know your your, your top opposition I think the key thing about Brennan is is Forrest getting promoted. I think if you start, he probably would have been in the Premier League this uh, next season, regardless of whether Forrest went up or down. He's that sort of level of play. He had that sort of season. Uh, but again, staying at Forrest, it just gives them that bit more of a security blanket almost. He has that familiar, familiarity with, what, uh, with, with the style there under Steve Cooper. And he can really hit the ground running, I hope, after a uh, after a little break now. I don't see why he can't do what he did. He probably won't do it to the same level as he did in the championship, but he can be that threat uh, against those high lines, those uh, those high defences. He has the speed, he has the power, he has the, uh, the nous uh, to be a threat against... Against Premier League, against Premier League teams, I think we saw it in in some of the uh, FA Cup games that that you mentioned. So uh, I, I think we've seen it in the in the past couple of uh, na- national league games as well, and against Ukraine when he came on. Again, it, uh, the the interesting thing with him against Ukraine was he came on on the left hand side, which is uh, which is different to what he does at club level. He's mainly a right hand side player at Lincoln and at Forest, but he came on the left hand side, and you could see. That ability to to cut in on onto his right foot, onto his strong right foot from the left, which was an interesting uh, little quirk. May hopefully something we start to see a bit more of at club level. I'm not sure we will, but it, that will be something to watch for Wales definitely. But yeah, I think Brandon he has the talent to do to do good things in the Premier League, and I'm really excited to see what he does do to see how quickly he can he can settle into that the the much higher level. You have to say, uh, but yeah, exciting times ahead for him. I suppose that playoff final was kind of you know you 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 were going to be satisfied either way really because you had Sober Thomas on the um <laughs> on the opposite on the opposing side for Huddersfield and he's obviously someone who's broke into the Wales team as well. He's obviously a little bit older than Brennan. He's twenty three, um, but in his own right, you know, on the back of another very good season, has obviously a, a different background um, in in terms of coming up through through the leagues. You know, coming up through non league. Um, but to to make it and what well, what's it like you know having a player of his ability you know maybe not necessarily starting all the time for Wales but you know his I mean dead ball situations and stuff like that having a player of his caliber that that Wales can draw on at, at a major finals because you know you, you you see all the debates around the England squad and it's like oh you take James Ward Prowse as your twenty third man or your twenty sixth man because you know you never know when you need a, a dead ball specialist or a, you know someone to to make the difference from set pieces. What's it like having that in 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 the ranks when previously there, there wasn't? Yeah, I, I I think in terms of that tournament environment where where you can 
be a bit more tactical in these sort of situations. I think having a having a, a legit set piece threat like Sober Thomas is uh, is very valuable. But he's also a bit more than that. He's he's uh, he can cover a couple of positions. He can play at wing back. He can play in in the forward line. So he adds a bit of depth there, which is also key uh, for that World Cup scenario. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, I, I think Sorba's, Sorba's rise is remarkable in, in, in so many ways in his own right. But again, the way that he's been integrated into the Wales team, uh, I'm not sure whether they had their eyes on him when he was playing for Boreham Wood or not. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if they, if they weren't aware of him. Uh, but as soon as he broke out at Huddersfield, the uh, Wales were very quick to, to 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 bring him into the squad, and you could see. I, I I think we tweeted a couple of the interviews that he had out when he f- initially joined the squad, and he, he was like a kid in the candy shop. He was, you could see that he was living his dream almost, and and it's that sort of emotion that really that really binds you to players, that really gets you behind this group as a as a collective. Uh, and yeah, that that's what I I've loved following Wales for the past te- uh, probably eight years now since I went down to uni in Cardiff. That was when I first started following them properly uh, as a regular. Uh, yeah, and it's that sort of emotion that that it that it breeds, which is which is everything for for not only me but I think for basically every Welsh football fan at the moment. Okay, so for opening game of the of the World Cup, um, how many under twenty three players are Wales going to name in the in the starting eleven, or or at least yeah. if if you were uh, if you were manager, what would you uh, who'd you be selecting? Uh, I think Ampadu is a is a banker. I think Necker Williams is a banker. Uh, I think then Brennan's an interesting one because I think. Especially if he if he hits the ground running in the Premier League, then he then he elevates him to himself himself to a level where where he's really hard to ignore, where he's really hard to keep out. But also then he has to try and displace probably Daniel James, who's uh, very highly rated within the Welsh setup. I think he's the only one over this past cycle of Nation League games, uh, Nation League games that um, that played every single game. So I think that probably sums up how highly he's rated. Uh, beyond that, maybe Dylan Levitt might be a might be a bit of a bolter. Again, another one that will be interesting to see what happens to him next uh, next season. Now he's going back to Manchester United after after by all intents and purposes a a promising season on loan up at Dundee United in Scotland. So his next step will be very interesting to follow. He's another. I I think he's a he's uh certain to go to the World Cup at least because again, Wales rating really highly even when he wasn't playing at club level. He was always included in squads. Uh, he was always getting minutes off the bench. Uh, so yeah, beyond Neko and and Ampadu, Brennan's probably the next best uh shout, but Dylan Levitt is one to watch as well. I love that you used um, the the term bolters there because it just brings me back to the the the, the old handbook uh, Google Sheets <laughs> where it's like oh which players do you do we reckon could actually be a late a late make a late search to be in the next volume oh the days um, <laughs> the um, in terms in in that sort of spirit are there any sort of young players or, or recent call ups um, who you think over the next couple of months 
they could be in contention for maybe becoming that maybe 23rd man, a, a late bolter for the squad. Maybe not necessarily starting, as you've just outlined, but you know somebody who um, could potentially make that squad who's not a dead cert at the moment. Uh, Ruben Colwell is probably the the answer to that question. Uh, he, he, I think Wales surprised everyone, myself included, when uh, he was included in the Euro 2020 squad. Uh, again, another one that's really highly rated within the within the group. Um, he he benefited last summer from being involved in in the pre tournament camp when Brennan was playing in the playoffs for Lincoln. So I think that probably edged him out. They, he was a bit more of a known quantity because Brennan hadn't really been in in many squads before that. But Colwell is is highly rated within the group. Uh, beyond that. I think there's a maybe a couple in the in the under twenty ones, which which uh, I really liked. Especially the one that I like most is probably Owen Beck, a left back from Liverpool. He uh, he impressed me uh, throughout the Euro, uh, UEFA Youth League this past season. Klopp seems to seems to rate him. He's been involved in in cup games. He was involved heavily in in the senior preseason last summer. So he could be a bolter. Again, another one that depends a bit on what his next step is. He's only played under 23 and under 18 football so far. He hasn't gone out on loan. So next season will probably be his first loan. Uh, it will be interesting to see what sort of level he he uh, he lands at initially. But he's probably one that very unlikely, but he has the skill set. He has the potential to perhaps push himself into a into a into a role there excellent stuff well thank you very much Lou for for giving us the the lowdown on on Wales's recent history you know the the roots to the recent tournaments the you know a real inside look into the culture uh, and sort of what it means to 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 be qualifying for for this world cup finals in, uh, in November and December um yeah, I think um, if you if you want to know if you want to hear more about what Lou's got to say about football, you know, Wales aside, then um, do get over <laughs> to uh, the uh, the Patreon. Um, I, I can assure you, he's, he's just as knowledgeable on just about everything else, um, and is uh, a regular on the uh, the Scouting Patreon pods uh, with Steve Canavis. Um, so yeah, get on over to that as well, um, and yeah, do uh, do keep engaging with us on on the socials and that sort of thing. But yeah, thank you for 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 coming on, Lou, and, and thank you everyone for for tuning in. Very welcome. Uh, yeah, just to just to double down on what you said there, the Patreon is uh, bouncing at the moment. That's probably the best way to describe it. I think we've got big plans in terms of in in terms of covering the uh, the the transfer window. We've got some really uh, insightful pods going out with expert guests on uh, on some of the bigger clubs and what what they can what they need to do this summer we've also got a uh under 19 euro coming up which starts on saturday which will be a which will be an interesting one to follow and we'll be covering it in depth on uh, on our patreon so yeah go sign up three pound a month is a is a bargain obviously if you can afford it in these uh tough times but yeah please do and we'll be forever grateful good stuff yeah i can i have to echo that um that sounded like it was a contractual obligation it's not <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can only echo what, what Lou's saying there. But um, yeah, this has been uh, the Scouting Football Podcast with myself, Joe Donahue. Thank you for, for tuning in. Um, and uh, yeah, stay safe and take care. Bye for now.
For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.